All right, that's my weightlifting for the morning. The weight's been totally lifted away from me now. Greetings, greetings to you all. Let's just pray. Lord, we just acknowledge your presence here with us because, Lord, wherever two or more of us are together, your word tells us that you are here and that you are present. So thank you for the blessing of being in your company. Thank you for the blessing of being in your presence. Thank you for the blessing of the love that you shower on each of us. Lord, even though we're undeserving, Lord, we just uh, are so thankful because you choose to do that for us. What a blessing you are to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So welcome here. Welcome this morning. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Just move this a bit. Ah, good to see you all. And I'm so pleased that uh, Lucy and Josh have got a bit of a holiday at the moment and that they are over at Aotea. And hopefully Josh is hauling those fish in, as he loves to do. They'll be back hopefully next Sunday. We'll see. <laughs> they may find it so much fun out there that they won't want to come back. No. They're a blessing to us, and they will continue to be a blessing to us this year. So this morning, I, I hope that in some way God touches you, that in some way God blesses you even more than he has done in the past and he is doing and he will do, because that's what our God wants to do with you. Our God is a God of blessings. So when you leave this place, I, it's my prayer and my hope that you have experienced his peace and that his peace dwells within you and you take that from this place out into that thing out there called the world because the world will assail you. The world will beat you down. That's what the world does. Look at last year. I've said... Good riddance to last year. It had all the problems, but that's in the past because what is important is what we do now and where we are going. And we know where we are going. We know that we are going to be with Christ. Now, Lucy asked me to continue the January's theme of faith. Faith. And that's always been a bit of a puzzle to me because the world out there is quick to condemn. The world out there is quick to say, well, why does God allow this stuff to happen? And what's your answer? Think about that, don't we? Because it all is determined by what you believe and the strength of your beliefs, that's how much your response will be. So what do you believe? Do you believe in your own ability? Do you believe in your wealth? Do you believe in your health? Do you believe in your job? Do you believe in your status? Do you, what do you believe in? Well, my faith tells me that I believe in an almighty God, a great God, a loving God, my God, your God. That's who we believe in. 
Faith. Interesting prospect. Lucy said, talk on faith, but I'll leave it up to you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. Sounds quite simple, doesn't it? When you just say it quickly like that. But what does it mean? Because, you know, being the learned scholar that I am, I have to go to the dictionary and I have to look up what is faith. And it says, so helpfully, the theological virtue defined as a secure belief in God and a trusting acceptance of God's will. That's a lot of help. Yeah, so now I know. And then I went to that other favourite thing called Google. Yeah, Google likened faith to the wind. We cannot see the wind. We cannot hear the wind unless it blows against something. And we can only feel the wind when it touches our skins or rustles our hair. And they said, faith is like that wind. Okay. So it tells me we can't see it. We can't hear it. But we still believe. We believe because we have an amazing scriptures to go to and to learn from. There are there. The Bible and others in our fellowship around us, they're the ones that show us what faith is because it's something that's totally un indescribable. It's belief, a belief. It's a truth. Something very true. So if we're going to believe a truth, we have to know how we can be certain that that's true. How can you be certain a truth is true? It's complicated, confusing. Anyone think Christianity and our beliefs are simple? They are. Except when you start trying to define everything. Truth, as contained in the Bible, simply says, it is Jesus. 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 That's the truth. He is all we need. He is everything we need. He is all. And we just need to look to him. Because in John 14, verse 6, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the foundation of our faith. He is the truth we listen to. He is all we need. His life, death and resurrection, those are truths and those we can believe in because when we believe in him, we are saved. And that leads to another question. So what's this saved? Saved means that we are part of Christ's family. We are part of his fellowship. We are now, he has restored a relationship with God through his actions. We are entitled to approach Almighty God.
because of what he has done. Faith believes that God exists. You must believe he exists if you're here. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's not a prosperity thing. It's not about getting stuff from God when we believe and go before him and expect the latest sports car, the latest boat, the latest house. But no, things don't happen like that. God exists, full stop. He is real. Then there's another thing that came out. Boy, this, it's not an easy topic. With faith, faith comes trust. Do you trust God? Or has he got it in for you? Because look at the stuff that happens around you. You trust he's got everything under control. Because sometimes you look out there and you think, no it's not. Years ago, and I can still remember, when Tim Given was here and he preached and he said this, Trusting in God meant taking hands off the controls and letting him take charge. It's like having him in the car as your passenger and just wanting to drive wherever you want to go. Whereas if you let him be in charge and in control, he directs your life. It's not easy. I'm the number one failure in that. And I always go and take back that control again. And I try and do it under my steam until such time as everything's gone to custard and I think, oh, that's right. God, would you like an input? Yeah. Yeah. Then it brings to mind the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? There's a part in it that says, thy or your will be done. How many times have we prayed that or skipped that bit? Because that's asking a lot. We're asking God to come into our lives and his purposes are the things that we do. His purposes are carried out in our lives. His will be done. His will priority over ours. Paul quite Nicely puts it, you know, in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know that point? That point where everything gets too much and you finally go, okay, Lord, you do it. And then there's that... Because you've done that, there's that little peace, that peace that comes and just settles on you, and it's something that you can't describe. It's peace that surpasses all understanding. 
when the life turns to custard, the only place you can turn is to God. I read in the word for today. Adversity leads to change, which leads to blessings from that change. So even if you're in a tough spot, there is good in it. You may not see it at the time. You may not experience it at the time. You will think you're experiencing it. But that thing called hindsight is wonderful because you look back and you see how much God controlled the whole situation and circumstances. It may not be the way you wanted it to turn out, but it turns out okay. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So, faith for me is not about turning your brain off. Not about giving myself over to some mystical, emotional experience. It's not turning myself over to something that's all feelings-based. To me, it's about seeking and knowing Jesus. Seeking and knowing what it is he wants from my life. And loving him with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. And that varies at times because it comes back to that control thing. And I try and take it back again. Jesus' life on earth, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and the eternal life that he has given us are not just a story to read. It is a truth, a truth that we can hang our hats on. God gave his son. He was perfect, without sin. He died for us. That's the truth. Faith to me is believing that truth. Believing is not seeing. Because we know Jesus came to earth. We know he died on the cross. We know he rose again. We know he ascended into heaven. And we know it because the Bible tells us. We were not there, yet we believe. That's what I call faith. Romans 3, 22 to 24. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified freely by his grace through redemption that comes by Christ. We are justified because not of what we've done of what Christ did for us through his death and resurrection he redeemed us you know that old story that they tell about going to court I know these things because I had to go to court a lot wasn't I a terrible fella you know and you go in there and you, you put the case before the judge and the judge says guilty not guilty guilty go to jail 
vine, all those sorts of things. But God's court. We are all, because Scripture tells us, have to stand before God. Imagine his court. There's no question of whether you're guilty or not. You're guilty. Full stop. So you've got to stand before God guilty. The Bible tells us we're all sinners. And I believe the Bible. The Bible is truth. Therefore, I'm a sinner. Therefore, I am guilty. Therefore, I'll stand before God. And I'll be guilty. I have no way to pay for that guilt. I can tell him how sorry I am over and over and over again. That's why we have a wonderful advocate called Jesus. He speaks for us and then God looks at us through him. And in doing so, God, the great judge, says, case closed. Full stop. Isn't that amazing? We believe because we believe. There are still people who would like physical proof. That God exists. First thing I say is look around you. Look at his creation. Don't look too closely. Some of them are sitting next to you. Look outside. See the wonders of his hand. See the wonders of all the things that he has done. That's proof. You know, even people who had been with Jesus still doubted. And I love Thomas. You love Thomas? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't believe. And what did Jesus say when Jesus turned up? Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You are part of the blessed ones. You have been blessed. When we accept the truth of Jesus, he lives in us and through us. He becomes our life. And you know what? That's for eternity. That's forever. Can I just sidetrack with a little story? You may have heard it before. There was an atheist professor of philosophy speaking to his class on the problem science has with God. He asked one of his new Christian students to stand up and the professor said to him, oh, you're a Christian, aren't you? And the student said, yes, sir. And so you believe in God? Oh, absolutely, said the student. Is God good? Sure. Is God all-powerful? Yep. 
My brother died of cancer even though he prayed to God to heal him. Most of us would attempt to help others who are ill, but God didn't. How is this God good then, said the professor. Hmm. The student didn't answer. You can't answer, can you? Let's start again, young fella. Is God good? The student said, yes. Is Satan good? No. Uh, where does Satan come from then? Oh, from God. That's right. Tell me, son, then is there evil in this world? Yes. Evil is everywhere, isn't it? And God did make everything. Is that correct? Oh, yes. So who created evil? Student didn't answer. Ah, professor says, is there sickness, immorality, hatred, ugliness, all these terrible things that are existing in the world? They do, don't they? The student said, yes, sir. The professor said, so who created them? And the student had no answer. The professor went on to say, science tells you you have five senses you use to identify and observe the world around you. Tell me, son, have you ever seen God? No, sir. Tell us, have you ever heard your God? No, sir. Have you ever felt your God, tasted your God, smelt your God? Have you ever had any sensory perception of God for all that matter? Uh, no, sir. I'm afraid I haven't. And yet you still believe in him? Yes, said the student. Professor said, according to empirical, testable, demonstrable protocol, science says your God doesn't exist. What do you say to that, son? Nothing, said the student. I only have my faith. Yes, faith. And that's the problem science has. He thought he had won the argument. But then the student said to him, Professor... Is there such a thing as heat? And the professor said, yes. And is there such a thing as cold? And the professor said, yes. The student said, no, sir, there isn't. Well, all the others in the lecture theatre became very quiet at this. The student said, sir, you can have lots of heat, even more heat, superheat, mega heat, white heat, little heat, no heat. We don't have anything called cold. We can hit 458 degrees below zero, which is no heat, but we can't go any further after that. There is no such thing as cold. Cold is only a word that we use to describe the absence of heat. We cannot measure cold. Heat is energy. Cold is not the opposite of heat, sir, just the absence of it. Well, there was absolute silence in the lecture theatre. And the student went on. Uh, Professor, what about darkness? Is there such a thing as darkness? Yes. What is night if there is not darkness, said the professor. Uh, you're wrong again, sir. Darkness is the absence of something. You can have low light, normal light, bright light, flashing lights, but, you, but if you have no light constantly, you have nothing, and it's called darkness, isn't it? In reality... Darkness isn't. If it is, you could make darkness darker, couldn't you? 
So what's the point you're making here, young man, said the professor. My point, sir, is your philosophical premise is flawed. Flawed? Can you explain how? Sir, you're working on the premise of duality. You argue there is life and then there is death, a good God and a bad dog. You're view God, you're viewing the concept of God as something finite, something we can measure. Sir, science can't even explain a thought. It uses electricity and magnetism, but it has never seen, much less fully understood, either one. To view death as the opposite of life is to be ignorant of the fact that death cannot exist as a substantive thing. Death is not the opposite of life, just the absence of it. Now, tell me, Professor, do you teach your students that they evolved from a monkey? If you're referring to the natural evolutionary process, yes, of course I do. Have you ever observed evolution with your own eyes, sir? The professor shook his head with a smile, beginning to realise where the argument was going. Since no one has ever observed the process of evolution at work and cannot even prove that this process is an ongoing endeavour, are you not teaching your opinion, sir? Are you not a, not a scientist, but a preacher? By then the class started tittering and laughing. And the student turned to the class and said, Has anyone in the class ever seen the professor's brain? Have they touched it, felt it, smelt it? Hmm, no one seems to have done so. So according to the established rules of empirical, stable, demonstrable protocol, science says you have no brain, sir, with all due respect. So, sir, how can we trust your lectures? The room was silent, and the professor stared at the student, and he said, I guess you just have to take them on faith, son. By the way, that student's name was Albert Einstein. A magnificent mind. C.S. Lewis once said in deciding about Jesus, you have three choices. You either decide that he was a lunatic, that he was a liar, or that he's your saviour. And the choice is up to you. That's faith, what you believe. That's faith, even though you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't do all sorts of things. You believe. Faith is believing that what the Bible says is true, the truths contained in there. Because we know that the Bible is the inspired and fallible word of God. It means that even though men, starting with Moses and ending with John, wrote 66 books, but that they were inspired by God and guided by the Holy Spirit to write those truths as God wants us to know. Timothy tells us, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness of men and women. We know that uh, we have the Holy Spirit with us because Jesus told us it's contained in that book. It's contained in the Bible. It come, he came and he inhabits us forever. 
because we have accepted Christ as our Saviour. And in doing so, he guides us into this truth. He teaches us and he helps us. He helps us interpret that scripture and he helps us learn what God wants us to know. Faith is knowing that we are firmly in God's hand no matter what happens. Faith makes us know that we are secure and that nothing can ever take us from his hands. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea. So no matter what's happening around you, faith tells us that God is in control and we are in God's hands. We know, because Scripture tells us, that we will be with God forever. Because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans tells us. That's our inheritance. Faith is that thing that also spurs us into action. It causes us to act on what we believe. Because God loves us, we love each other. That should then transpose itself into our daily walk, our daily lives. So that our words and our actions show and testify of his love and goodness. We're called to share that good news. It's not something just for us. That love in our lives of Jesus Christ needs to be told to others. Because if we don't tell them, who is going to? And we do that as been attributed to Sir Francis Assisi by our actions, not necessarily by our words. The Bible also tells us of all the efforts that God has gone through over the years to restore the relationship between him and us, which finally which culminated in the life and times of Jesus. So as we, de- as we develop a relationship with our God, it should spur us on to develop a relationship with each other. So the Bible is truth. The Bible is our manual. The Bible is our book of life. Any time we spend in that relationship with God, any time we sit at his feet and just sit, is life-changing. You will never be the same again after being in the presence of our God. So it brings me back to being to this thing called faith. Something that we can be sure of. We are sure that Jesus is all we need. Jesus is all the truth. Jesus is all that we need for our lives. 
believing in it. He is our Lord. We can look back, and as we look back over that last year, some people had better years than others. It's a fact that life is full of ups and downs. But as we look back, and that's the value of looking back, we can see God's hand in our lives. But the thing is, God doesn't want us to dwell there. He wants us to look back and that things are reminders of his presence. But he wants us to bring it into the presence while it is today. Because today is where we are. We're not yesterday. We haven't got to tomorrow yet. We are today. So we're called to live our lives while it is still today. Every moment, every minute, every second. Live it as live and then live it unto the Lord. Albert Einstein also once said, to learn from yesterday, but live for today, even though you can hope for tomorrow. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Because we know, because we know, because we know. Now explain that one to me. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that uh, for your ever-presence in our lives, Lord, and that even though we can't explain things to other people as clearly as we'd like to. We know that words are inadequate to, de to just describe you and your love. So you just ask us to be a mirror of that, to be part of your plan for this world, because, Lord, you want all to come to know you, not just those sitting here in these pews. Lord, you want all to know. So our... Role in your plan is to be about your business of showing others your love by showing it to our fellows and then taking it out into the world. So Lord, as we go through today, let us be an example of you to the world and to each other. And we ask that you continue to inhabit us with your spirit and to continue to bless us as you do. And as we go about the day. Lord, we can reflect on the past, but we live the moment and be in the moment. And we ask that you just enable us to be a witness to you in this world, in all circumstances. And we ask that in your name. Amen.